Hello there, Kansas City. Stephen St. John here with another episode of Hot Mike with SSJ. And if you would like to uh, advertise or sponsor uh, this uh, podcast, you can contact me, Stephen St. John at 810WHB.com. That's uh, Stephen St. John at 810WHB.com. And we can make that happen because we're going to be turning this out, uh, turning these out every week. And uh, we've got some really good guests coming up uh, that I have planned for you. And uh, we'll also have the return of Jake Gutierrez. Uh, Todd Lebo will be joining, uh, joining us when he gets back from it. If he ever fucking comes back from Italy, you know, I, I think he's coming back. It's been two weeks. Where are you, Todd? You know, have you had enough? Have you had enough pasta? Have you had enough fun? Come back and work with us. Um, and so we've got a lot of good stuff planned for uh, for you. Former Mizzou linebacker Brock Christopher is going to be on with us. Uh, my good friend John Bond from uh, from from the Earth Dispensaries is going to be with us uh, for one uh, podcast. Uh, and uh, down the road we're going to get George Brett. So just letting you know that's going to happen. Also, uh, Gary Dieter and Anthony Sherman. I was on their podcast, so they're going to come on my podcast and cuss and curse. And so we like that and tell some football stories. Today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be me, and um, this isn't going to be a fun and wild episode of Hot Mike with SSJ because uh, this episode I want to talk about my mother. My mom, because right now as we record this, it's uh, it's Thursday, October twelfth, and the 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 day the date that my mother passed away was October fifteenth, two thousand six. She passed away when she was uh, sixty seven years old. Her name was uh, Julie Saint John, maiden name Julie Ontiveros, uh, but her nickname was Babe. Everyone called her babe ever since she was, uh, she was young. And, um, she was, uh, if you've heard me talk about her on my radio show, uh, or on social media or anywhere else, you know, that, uh, we were like this, she was, uh, clearly my best friend and my biggest supporter. Uh, also <laughs> my biggest critic, uh, which used to uh, make me really mad, but I, I look back and I understand what she was doing. But um, she was, uh, put it simply, one of the, one of the best people uh, that I've ever met in this, in this entire world. And one of the smartest people I've ever met in this world. Um, and so I have, I do want to mention that I have a scholarship that, uh, that I established in her name. And I did this uh, also as a uh, uh, thank you to my former producer, uh, Jake Gutierrez, uh, and, and included his mother as well, who passed away, man, right after my mom did. Um, and I remember when my mom passed away after the, uh, after the services, we served Mexican food at the church at St. Gabriel. And that was provided by, uh, salty iguana. And I'll never forget that. It was so kind of them to do that. And Jake's mom, uh, was, was helping to serve, uh, serve food to the people that had attended the f- uh, funeral. And then, like I said, that was in October of, uh, of 2006. And, and not too long after that, Jake's mom passed away. So that's why I have the scholarship, the Julie Ontivero St. John, Deborah Douglas Gutierrez Memorial Scholarship. 
and that's through the Hispanic Development Fund, uh, where I am uh, a, a member of the uh, advisory board. I'm also an alum and, a, and a, a former scholarship winner. I won a scholarship through Hispanic Development Fund because my mother forced me to apply for it, and man, was she on my ass. I'll never forget that because I didn't want to because I didn't think I'd get it. And then uh, I wrote an essay. Uh, you know, I was a pretty good writer back in the day. Still am. Try to be. Um, but uh, I would have never applied for the scholarship, and she forced me to, and I got it, and it helped me get through school, and that's why I've established a scholarship in her name to help some other ki deserving kids out there. Um, and we try to focus on um, kids that either remind us of our moms or or have something in common. Uh, my mom, she didn't graduate, but she attended uh, Wyandotte High School. She grew up in Armordale uh, over in KCK. And then, of course, you know, lived and raised me in the northeast neighborhood of, of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, she, she always dreamed of, she wanted to be a nurse. She's unable to pursue that. But, um, and so just di different, different issues, very involved in the community. And when people are uh, kind enough or nice enough to, to thank me for some of the things that I do in the community and in Kansas City with, with charities and different events. I always credit my mom because she uh, instilled that in me. Uh, she, she told me long before I was in radio that, you know, whatever I get in life, I need to give back even more. Um, and she was heavily involved in a number of different charities, and, and she volunteered. She volunteered so much of her time uh, to special causes that, she deemed worthy, and so uh, I always, I was always uh, that 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 really made an impact on me. And so I've tried to do that in in her name and in her memory. And hopefully, I, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm making her proud. And so, uh, if you feel like you want to donate to the scholarship, uh, you can go to hdfkc.org. That's hdfkc.org. Read more about. Um, read more about the cause and everything else. And so uh, very meaningful to me. So thank you. Um, but okay. So like I mentioned, uh, I talk a lot about my mom, but I haven't given really a whole, the whole backstory ever. So I thought just in honor of her as a, uh, the way to remember her uh, on the day that she passed away, I'd, I'd spend maybe 20, 30 minutes or so just talking about her and, and telling people uh, more about her because I mean, she's been gone now for, you know, like I said, in a couple of days, it'll be 17 years, which is unbelievable to me. It doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Um, but she was born in, uh, you know, both of her parents were from Mexico. Uh, and so she was born back in 1939, and she was raised in uh, Armadale in KCK. And she was there when, uh, in the early 50s, the, the, the big flood where her family lost everything, lost everything in Armadale. And she would always tell me, and that, that had such a big impact on her. And she was kind of a, she's kind of a pack rat. Um, uh, I mean, she even called it, she, she would hoard things and keep, keep things in storage uh, lockers and different things like that, storage units, because, um, I mean, that affected her because at, at that age, I think she was, 12 or 13 when when the flood took ev everything that she had the only thing that her and her family had 
uh, with the clothes on her back, right? And so that, she carried that with her for a long time, and she didn't want to, you know, lose anything or give anything up, and she kept things that long after they were of use, and that's kind of, you know, I kind of took that from her, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pack rat and everything else, and hold on to things forever and just, but understanding why it, it uh, there was a you know specific reason why she was like that, maybe understand her a little bit more. But um, grew up in Armadale. Uh, she started to go to Windout High School. But then um, I, I'm just, hey, I'm just going to fucking say it straight. She had a rough, rough childhood. Uh, she was abused uh, physically and mentally. Um, by by a person that was close to her, and so by the time she was fifteen, I think she 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 left. She was out of there. She she left home, and a lot of these there were some things that I didn't find out about her until after she passed away. Just going through different records and her documents and things like that. There were some things she alluded to. And touched on when 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 she was still alive, either when I was a kid or when I was an adult, about her past. But she would just briefly touch on it, and then that was it. And then you knew just not to. There were, there were certain things she didn't want to talk a whole lot about, and 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 you you had to know not to cross that line because she wasn't gonna or you're gonna piss her off, right? Like she would tell me a little bit about the flood, but it was such a traumatic event for her that she'd say what she'd want to say, but then no follow up questions. Don't dig too deep into that. Uh, and, and clearly, you know, I, I knew that she was abused and she she told me a few things and but that was it, you know what I mean? But I always tried just to be a uh a sounding board for her and, and let her tell me whatever she wanted to tell me and if that was it, that was it, and I wasn't gonna pry anymore, right? Um But she she left home around the age of fifteen and then she got married uh when she was sixteen years old and it didn't last very long. And I'm I'm sorry I don't have a lot of details about that, but I've talked to a few people that knew her and some people in the family. It's one thing about my family; they had so many fucking secrets and skeletons, and you know we can't tell the kids this and don't let them know that. And it's just uh, in retrospect, it was it's just such bullshit. They hid so many things, and so I've. I've even after she's passed away, it's like a bit, I've been on this fact-finding mission to try to find out more about my family and to, to fill in the blanks and and you know and and I get it. There's some things like when you're a parent, I get that now having several kids that you don't want your kids to know about your life and don't want your kids to know about um, your past because you don't want to be judged and you don't want to, them to think any less of you. Uh, but man, I wish I would have. I wish I could have conveyed to my mom that there was nothing in the world that she could have told me that would make me think any less of her at all because I just, I just, I loved her so much. Um, but she had her reasons and, uh, and I, I respect that. So she got married uh, at 16 and it did not last very long. And then, like I said, she was on her own and she had a, she had a combative relationship with my grandparents. And you got to understand by the time I came along, uh, Growing up, I had a great relationship with my grandparents because they changed a lot. 
Danny and Augie Ontiveros, and they were wonderful people, and they were almost like a second set of parents to me. But they weren't always like that, and they, you know, and they had, um, and like I said, it was a, a somewhat combative relationship. And, you know, alcohol was involved a lot, and they, you know, they were two great people. Uh, and again, I didn't get a whole lot of details, but I heard enough to be able to put two and two together that to know that my mom really went through a lot of shit when she was young. Um, and let me tell you, she was beautiful. Put some pictures up here. If you're watching the uh, podcast on YouTube, she was stunningly beautiful. I mean, to the point where there was a Playboy Club uh, here in Kansas City back in the day. I, I, I think it was in the 60s or so, but I mean, she, she, was, she worked at the Playboy Club. She was a waitress. You know, with the you know the ears and everything else, she was incredibly beautiful. Um, but she uh, she always worked. You know, she she like I said, she had to drop out of high school at Wyandotte because she left home, and that broke her heart because she had always dreamed of not only graduating high school but graduating from college, and she could have been whatever she wanted because she was super smart, way more intelligent than me, one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Um, and later on in life, she got her GED and she's really proud of that. And she was always on my ass about furthering my education. And, and I became the first person, like neither of my grandparents graduated from high school and neither of my parents graduated from high school. Uh, but both of my parents did, and, and both of my parents left home by the age of 14 or 15. Uh, and then they both, uh, pursued their, and, and got their GED at a later date. And I was super proud of them for that. But I was the first, you know, person in, in my you know, family that uh, between my grandparents and my parents actually graduated from high school and then graduate uh, with a college degree. And it was, I mean, 95% of it because of my mom was on my ass and she was, I was going to, to do the things that she didn't have the chance to do. And it was very important to her. But she worked a lot. She worked downtown. She worked uh, in an office. And then um, man in the 60s, she got married again. And I didn't know a whole lot about that either. And from what I've been able to gather, she was married and, um, and her husband died in a car wreck. And I'm not totally sure if they were, and I, I think they were still married. Um, but again, that was something that I found out after she passed away. Um, going through some different records and, and seeing that her name was different for a span of time in the 60s and seeing some pictures and then me asking some people and, you know, finding out uh, what the real story was. But again, she had her reasons for not telling me, so be it. Um, but in that time frame, you know, from, you know, the 60s until she met my dad in, uh, in 1971, I think, um, again, she was basically just separated and disowned by her family. Um and she, uh, it's, it's difficult for me to say this or it, it, admit this, and I was aware of this, but she, uh, she attempted suicide. And she, um, and, and she, was, she was checked into a mental facility for a while. And then I remember when I was a little kid, she used to show me there was, she had some scars from, from, from what happened. And she, was, she would always explain to me as a little kid, you know, uh, obviously trying to make it to where it was I was able to digest it as a, at a young age she'd always say I was I was very very sad 
before I met your dad and before I had you. But then having you made me very, very happy. And it changed my life. And that's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to hear. You know, like I said, I just, she, she would tell me what she wanted to tell me. And that was enough for me. But she met my dad. So my dad had gone away to Vietnam to serve in the war when he was 17 years old. And then got back after he was in the Navy for three, three and a half years. And so here's the weird shit. And this is going to sound, I've tried to explain this so many times in my life. And every time I explain it when I was a kid, people would always look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so it's not illegal. It's real. It's, 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 it's on the up and up. So see, follow along here. I need to have a, a, a flow chart. So my dad is coming home from Vietnam. And, and they're going to throw a welcome home party for him. My dad had a sister. My dad, Steve St. John, had a sister named Mary St. John. Mary St. John, while my dad's gone, marries a, a man named Danny Ontiveros Jr. Okay? So Mary St. John marries Danny Ontiveros. They're married. And they're going to have a welcome home party at their house when my dad gets home from Vietnam. My mom, so my dad's 20 when he's coming home from Vietnam. My mom at this time is single and she's 33 years old, right? And so, you know, she's, she's coming to the party. Um, and so they decide to introduce them and try to set them up with my dad coming home at 20 from the war and my mom, 33, a single lady living in Kansas City. I don't know how they thought that was going to work, whatever. They meet at the, at, the, at the welcome home party and from what I'm told, instantly fall in love. I mean, just like that, Right. He's 20, fresh home from Vietnam. She's 33, fall in love. And then pretty soon they, they go to Oklahoma to elope and get married. And then, you know, less than a year later, ta-da, here I am. Stephen St. John, right? And so uh, so he, so they get married, right? And so my, my – <laughs> so – See if that makes sense. So my dad and his sister, Mary, married my mom and her brother, Danny. So it was, uh, was, so Mary and Danny were married. Mary's brother falls in love with Danny's sister and they got married. This is legal. All right. There's nothing. It's just, you know, and so then. You know, they had a son, Danny and uh, Mary, named Tony, and he was my older cousin. And, but we were, we'd always tell people we're double cousins because we'd say, you know, hey, my mom and his dad are brother and sister, and also my dad and his mom are brother and sister. And then people would look at us like, dude, that's nasty. Like, no, it's not. It's... And so that's and, – and I've talked about my cousin Tony uh, before. He's no longer with us, but um, – we had, a, we had a lot in common, uh, some things more than others. But so that's, that's how they met, and then and that's how they had me, right? Um, and so and from the get-go, man, 
and also from what I'm told, it was me and my mom were like this. And my dad was cool, but he was young. You gotta understand, my dad was out of the house when he was 15, and then went to went to the ward 17, and comes home and right away gets married and has a kid. And so he had a lot of still had a lot of wild oats to deal with, right? And so it was a tumultuous relationship between them. They loved each other a lot, but they fucking fought a lot. And it was it was wild. I love my parents. They were great um, while they were together. But as I got older, kind of see that this it wasn't going to last, you know. Um, but the whole time, I was a huge mama's boy, right? My mom, I mean, I don't think I ever spent a moment with a babysitter. She was always, she wasn't going to have anyone else take, because she always would tell me, I waited 33 years, I waited my whole life to have, you to have a son and uh, I'm going to take advantage of every minute and be with you all that I can. And she even, I don't know why she did this and see, I wish I could fucking go back and ask her. She enrolled me in school a year before she was supposed to. And so she enrolled me uh, when I was four. And so then, you know, later on, it didn't mean anything then, but like when I was in high school, I was 16 years old when I was a senior. Uh, and then I turned 17 midway through my senior year. But I was a year younger than everybody else. So I didn't fucking, like, everyone's getting their driver's license when they were in soft, their sophomore year, our sophomore year at, at St. Pius. And I couldn't even take the test until I was uh, a junior because I didn't turn 16 until my junior year. That was weird because she, she, she thought I was really smart. And I guess, I you know, I was, whatever. Um, so she uh, enrolled me in school uh, when I was four. Um, and I just, I mean, I had, I had a great uh, relationship with her all throughout my childhood. She was, I mean, we all, we all say this. She's the best mom in the world. Best cook in the world. Could make the best Mexican food. Oh, my goodness. Um, and she spoiled me rotten to where it used to piss my dad off. And he used to piss my uncles off. And I think it probably even pissed my grandparents off. Uh, and on that note, uh, she was still estranged from my grandparents when I was born. And then finally, within the first year, my dad, I believe, was responsible for this, said this needs to end, and took my mom and me when I was still a baby to my grandparents' house and said, look, you have a, you have a new grandson. We want you to be in our lives, and, and you know, let's squash this shit. And I guess they, you know, they saw me and fell in love. Uh, but so that, that brought everyone back together. Right. And again, like I told you, I had, my grandparents were fucking awesome. You know, that's one of the big reasons why I'm such a sports fan was my, my grandfather, Danny Ontiveros, who was a former boxer who loved the chiefs and loved the Royals. And I used to watch all the games and we'd watch all the fights together. He was, uh, it was, it was incredible, right. To be their grandkid. But they spoiled me rotten, too, to the point where all my fucking cousins hated me because I was the baby. They used to call Steve-O, and they used to fucking spoil me just like my mom did, whatever. Um, but that, you know, brought them, brought a good part of the family back together, right? Um, you know, and my mom was fiercely in love with my dad. Uh, my dad, again, he, he was left home when he was 15, was, was you know, in the Navy in, in Vietnam until he was 20, then got married and had a kid right away. He had some things that uh, he had not 
He had those wild oats to sow, right? And so they they were never going to stay together uh, for forever. I look back at that now and, and realize that. And to the point, I'm not fucking getting into it uh, too much because it's just because I don't fucking want to, you know. But around when I was in seventh or eighth grade, uh, found out my dad kind of had another family, you know, and was what else to say about it. I love my dad. I have a great relationship with him, but uh, at the time it was super fucked up, you know, and it was <laughs> broke my mom's heart. And I, you know, me being a mama's boy and being with my mom all the time, I had a lot of anger towards my father. Um, and we had a, we had a difficult relationship when I was in high school. Cause he, you know, they split up and he wasn't, uh, you know, at home. And there were a lot of, a lot of, a lot of emotions there as a young man that I had to deal with. And, and look, I'll be honest with you. My mom did her best to fucking turn me against my dad, you know, cause that was the one pawn she had to play. And I look back at that and that wasn't totally fair towards my dad. Okay. Um, but that, that's just, that's just how the fucking cards played out. And the way I looked at, Hey, my mom, she's always with me. She's, you know, by my side for everything. I'm going to side with my mom, even though I love my dad, you know, I'm mama's boy. Right. Uh, until the point, and then, you know, my dad, uh, my dad went away in, uh, got, he, he was arrested when I was a senior in high school, which fucking sucked. My senior year was terrible at St. Pius. Just, you know, a lot of people fuck with me. There was even a teacher that used to harass me about my dad getting arrested. And, um, there were a lot of people that fucking made my life hell my senior year. And I've not forgotten that. And then sometimes I'll see some of these people either on Facebook or in person and they want to try to be nice to me. And I'll be honest with you. They can, they can, as, as Logan Roy from uh, succession would say, they can all go fuck off. Uh, and I'm happy to tell them that to their face. Um, but I also remember some great people that, that were by my side through thick and thin and those are the people that I'm still friends with 30 and 40 years later that I love and would do anything for. Um, we all got those friends. I'm glad I have a few of them. Um, and so, uh, and then my dad went away and that even made my mom and I even closer because it felt like it was, you know, us against the world. Um, and so back when I was a kid, I used to be called Steve. He called me Steve or Steve-O, right? There was no Steven. My mom would call me Steven. And then finally it got to the point where my mom you know, because my dad was Steve St. John, and in her mind, I was Stephen St. John, and she wanted she wanted that shit separated, right? We had different middle names. My dad's middle name's Wilbur. He didn't like to fucking hear it, but if you listen to this podcast, that's your middle name. I can't help it. It's what it is. My middle name's Philip, and so she would always call me Stephen Philip St. John. Like when I would get in trouble, Stephen Philip St. John, why did you do that? Which was a fucking lot because I did a lot of dumb shit. But I remember one. <laughs> One time, Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but this is how it went. Uh, I remember one time she said, uh, you're not Steve, you're Steven. That son of a bitch is Steve, and no one's going to confuse you two. So I go, okay, I'm Steven. And that's why I'm like, my mom put that in my head, so I'm adamant about this. When you hear me on the show, I'm Steven St. John. If someone calls me Steve, I don't know who the fuck they're talking to. I'm Steven. Or I, I feel like my mom will rain down terror from heaven. Um... And so, you know, we continued to be very, very close. But she was, um, she was very 
sick and fragile woman, mentally and physically. And I remember in 1980, she almost died. She had triple pneumonia and a lung infection, and she was in the hospital for, I know it was more than a week. It's hard for me to remember. I was seven years old. Um, but there was irreparable damage done to her lungs and her heart. And she ended up developing horrific asthma and COPD. And throughout my childhood after that, I can remember, I mean, she used to have to take two or three breathing treatments every day, her inhaler, prednisone. I mean, fuck, I remember one time, like this was more into my teen years, she was taking like seven or eight pills a day and her breathing treatment. And sometimes she'd have to give herself a shot. It was terrible. And I cannot tell you how many times that I would go to the doctor with her and the doctor would pull me aside and say, you know, there's no guarantee how long she's going to be around, but you have to prepare yourself. Or we did. I mean, I remember one time I was getting ready to take uh, finals at Pius one morning and she had this horrible asthma attack and I rushed her to the hospital. There's still a university hospital on, on Independence Avenue. I can't remember what year this would have been, but I believe that hospital is still open. And I remember she was basically, she stopped breathing in the, in the parking lot and I had to carry her somehow in there into the emergency room and uh, she made it, you know, but I, and my grandparents used to tell me, hell, my dad used to tell me every, I felt like every, my uncle that lived in Chicago was real close to my mom. He's always, they were always preparing me for her to, to, to die. And so, like, I had this fucking cloud hanging over. Like, I always thought, you know, every time something happened, my mind like, oh, yo, is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? And that's not a fucking fun way to live. Um, but, man, she, she was fucking tougher than everyone thought. Um, you know, and so uh, we continued to be very, very close. And, I, you know, I was, she took care of me and I took care of her. Um, you know, and then ultimately when I met my wife, uh, before we got married and everything, I kind of told her early on, I said, look, this might, this might send you running, but this is a package deal. Um, you know, wherever I go, my mom goes, uh, you know, if I, if I, if I leave and get a house, she's going with us. Cause I got to I, I take care of her. I'm the only one that, that, you know, that is not, not left her side, you know, cause everyone in her life at some point has left her and, or, or, or she'd had some type of, uh, breakup with, and my wife was awesome, and she became very close, and she accepted that. And then when we had our son, Richie, uh, I, can, I can honestly and safely say that my, even though my mom loved me more than anything, she didn't love me more than Richie. And that added years to her life. And so she lived with us, and she got to, you know, it was, it was great for, you know, Susan and I because we were able to work and not to look for a babysitter, but she took care of Richie every day. Was, you know, early on she was still working. She worked at... Uh, Boatman's Bank, which then became Bank of America, and uh, remitt remittance processing. I don't know what that is, but that's what she did. Not a lot of numbers. Um, and so he did go to, to daycare for a little bit, but that just wasn't going to work out. And then uh, when she had to retire, she took care of him every day, and she loved it. And I, to this day, I, I know for a fact that added years to her life because it gave her something to, to wake up to, to and look forward to every day. And so then when Richie was six, we had Phil. Um, and so for, for nine years, because she passed away when Richie was nine and Phil was three, 
um, that that was her life revolved around those two boys, way more than me. I took a backseat gladly, and I'm so thankful that she was able to have such a great relationship with uh, her two grandsons. One of the biggest regrets of my life is she she obviously never met my daughters, uh, and that still fucking tears me up. But the cool thing is, I always said first daughter I'd have a name after my mom, and that's why my first daughter. They were twins, so a uh, first daughter is named Julia after my mom, and then uh, Selena came out, and so her middle name's Augustina, which was after my grandmother, my mom's mom. Uh, but the cool thing is, Julia is named after her, and Selena looks just like her, and so it's so no matter what, I'm reminded of my mom by both of my daughters which is uh, a tremendous blessing. And I get a chance to tell them stories about it all the time. And so they feel like they know her because I've, I've tried to, and I've, I've, you know, I got this advice from Todd Lebo one time. Um, I, I still, uh, even to this day for birthdays and Christmas, I will give my kids a present from my mom, uh, knowing her the way I know her, I knew her. Uh, and, like I would, I would try to guess. Okay, what would my mom give them for their birthday or for Christmas this year? And I and I do that, and I put on there from Grandma Babe. And so it may sound silly to some, but it's allowed me to to keep her her name and her memory active in their lives. Um, and so and she she's the one that got Richie started in in piano and in music. And she always told me, don't ever let him stop because he's he's you know he's he's got to give musically. And so. Uh, he's a musician because my mom started that. And, you know, all my kids are going to Catholic grade school and high school because she told me, like, you know, whatever you do, I want you to make me one promise. Any child you have, I want them to go to Catholic grade school and high school because I want God in their lives. And I know that's, hey, that's not for everyone. It's a choice. But I did that to honor my mom and to make sure. And I'm super proud to say that all my kids went to St. Gabe's, St. Gabriel. And now uh, the two boys graduated from St. Pius and the two girls are freshmen at St. Pius. And, and my mom was instrumental in me going to St. Pius. She did not want me to go to Northeast High School. She did not, did not think I would survive the, the bad element, which I probably wouldn't have. And so she convinced my dad to uh, send me to St. Pius and pay for that. And, and uh, it, it, it changed my life, you know. And when I got out of Pius, I took a year off from school. I was going to go to college and she begged me and convinced me to go away to school. And, and uh, I was such a poor student at St. Pius. I was ranked 79 out of 83, so there weren't a whole lot of collegiate options for me. But I did get a 30 on my ACT. And so then I went up to Missouri Western a year after I graduated from school. And that was hard for her because, yes, she was sending me to go to college, but she was also sending me an hour away. And, like, my mom was never going to go out to fucking St. Joe and visit me at school or anything else. And so she was sending the, the person that was most important to her away from her. And that was very hard for her. But she knew it was going to be best for me in the long run. And then after I was up there for a couple of years, I came back to Kansas City and transferred to UMKC because my uncle Richie, who my first son is named after, um, he was a Kansas City, Kansas police officer. He had, uh, he had he had been diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And my grandmother and my grandfather and my mom took care of him. And basically they converted my grandparents' living room into uh, basically a hospital room. And hospice helped them out quite a bit. But they needed me to come back to Kansas City because I had to be within, you know, 30 or 40 minutes at all times because, uh, you know, he, he'd lost the use of his arms and legs and everything else. And 
uh, and sometimes they couldn't if he, if he if he were to fall or couldn't get out of bed or anything else. They need me to come and, and help lift him up or pick him up. Um, and so, uh, still one of the best decisions I ever made in my life because I was able to be there uh, for him and with them and help them through because it was just a traumatic for my grandparents, it seems like, and my mom to, to watch him go through that as, as anything. And so uh, I was I was there and I was present for a lot of that. And I was there, you know, holding his hand when he passed away along with my grandparents and my mom. And so uh, I'll never complain about that decision to come back to Kansas City because um, that, that's a, I needed to be there. I had to be there and I was. So I know I'm kind of rambling uh, <laughs> through this, but... Uh, anyway, you know, throughout, you know, being with Susan and, and, and the boys, uh, you know, we bought a house up in the Northland and my mom, my mom lived with us and my mom was awesome. And, and she taught Susan how to, how to make Mexican food. And she was a great grandmother and continued to be a great mom. Now I will say this, me and her fought a lot because we were so much alike and she was so fucking demanding. And I say this out of love. I say this, um, because I needed this, right? Whatever I did, and people from the outside looking in won't get this because they thought the opposite. It was never good enough for her expectations. And it used to piss me off, right? And, I mean, I remember her. She said, oh, you, you know, you need to go to that sports radio station and tell them you need to get a show because you're telling I go, that's not how it fucking works. Until I actually did it, and that's how it worked. Uh, uh, and she was Miss I Told You So. You know, I told you you'd be able to get that. You know, God, mom. And so, um, but but she was always, and it wasn't that she wasn't happy with my success, and it wasn't that uh, she didn't think I was successful, but she was. She always thought I could be more, and she always had this, and and it was uh, it was a moving target, you know, and so I, I th- well now I got a radio show. And hey, I, I became a professional boxer, and I fought in the Golden Gloves. I did all these things, and, and 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 still, she wasn't satisfied. She was very demanding as far as the expectations that she had set for me. In retrospect, that was fantastic because because that made me into who I am. I mean, I can think back to when I, you know, I I've talked about this on a previous podcast. I suffered from terrible depression after my dad left, and I I dated the same girl for a long time, and my mom fucking hated her, and she was right. And I used to get mad because my mom was always right about the girls I dated and everything else. Um, but in my early twenties, I was just, uh, just I was I was I was not doing well. I was not going anywhere, and I was battling demons. And she was the one I'll never forget. Fucking gave me this newspaper article, and she said, "You need to get off your ass and go take these boxing lessons." A local boxer named Craig Cummings is doing boxing at a boxing class down at a gym. And uh, I fucking did it, and I like lost eighty pounds, and was good enough where I fought in the Golden Gloves, and I fought pro, and had that one pro fight, and all because she just you know motivated me and was on my ass. Um, just just a great woman with a great sense of humor. And the other cool thing about it is like so many of my friends growing up, um, and even in adulthood, just loved my mom. My mom was so fucking cool, and would always let you know. Friends come over any hour of the night. She used to work overnight when I was in high school at Bowman's Bank. And so my house was kind of like, hey, there's no parents there. Um, she was cool about it as long as we didn't fuck anything up. 
Uh, and she just wanted me to be honest with her. I did not drink. I drank alcohol one time in high school because I didn't want to disappoint my mom. It's hard for you to some, you know, fuck you if you don't believe me. That's just what happened. Um, but she was, uh, she always says, hey, I get it. You're young. Just tell me the truth. Don't lie to me and we're good. Boy, if I did lie to her, fuck. Um, but uh, she was just an incredible woman. And, uh, but again, she was very sick and very fragile. And I always felt like I had to be her protector. Uh, and, and, you know, and cause I, I, I fucking was, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, as, as time went on, uh, her health started to really deteriorate. And, uh, and by that time, you know, my dad got out in uh, 98 or 99 and they were able to at least, you know, be friends and be, you know, have a reasonable relationship and she always, she always loved him. She never stopped loving him. She never stopped. Lo- My dad could have done anything and she was never going to stop loving him, you know? And my dad, you know, tried to be cool and everything else. And they, they were able to, you know, for the good of the grandkids and, and, and me and everything else, they, they made it work as, as you know, they, they were able to coexist. Um, you know, and then as, as time went on, uh, she, she got sicker and sicker. And then, uh, you know, October 15th, uh, 2006, um, this is overnight. She had had a, you know, she'd had a heart attack and she was, she had the breathing, breathing machine out and, you know, trying to take a breathing treatment. She would tell me so many times, you know, I thought I was going to, I thought it was it last night. I thought I was going to die. I could barely get to my breathing machine. And, you know, I was, I, I couldn't. Couldn't only take my next breath. I go, why would you wake me up? Why wouldn't you wake me up and tell me, you know? She goes, oh, I, I can't wake you up every time I'm going through this, you know? And, I, and you know, I, like I mentioned, we argued a lot. We fought a lot uh, about things. Just, but we'd always make up. But we'd had a little bit of an argument the night before she passed away. And then, you know, we made up at the end. But I know she's kind of still pissed off at me. And was, I'm sure it was my fault. But um, that next morning, I remember... Um, yeah, first my wife, uh, you know, found her and then yelled at me and, you know, and she had, you know, she had passed. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the first person I called was my dad and he was over there, uh, much to his credit. And my dad, I've only seen him cry three times in my life. And that was one of them because down deep in his heart, I know he loved my mom, you know, um, uh, and that was a super traumatic experience uh, for me. And truth be told, I know that some people will roll their eyes at this, but I don't fucking care because everything that's happened in my life has happened for a reason. And every single thing that's happened to me every day in my life has led to me being who I am right now and, and what I am right now. And even though I have a tremendous amount of flaws, fucking I'm pretty proud of what I've done and, and where I've gone and who I am. And a big part of that is because of my mom. But I've never been the same. Uh, after my mom passed away, there's always been, you know, there's a huge, you know, hole in my heart or whatever you want to call it that, um, cause we were just, we were so close. It, it couldn't be any other way. And it had such a terrible effect on Richie, you know, cause he was nine years old and that was like a, a second mother to him. And he, he you know, Phil was three. He, he has memories, but he's still you know, a little bit too young, but Richie really, it really, affected him and I I wish I would have been able to handle my emotions a little bit more so I could have been him you know 
there for him a little bit better. I think he did an okay job, but not not nearly enough. But um, the, probably the biggest regret I have is, you know, I was, uh, in, in my mind, whether it was fair or not, I was in charge of, of taking care of my mom and making sure that she was healthy and making sure that she was, you know, handling everything. And uh, I just, I'll never get over the fact that I was not very far from her in that house when she passed, and I should have heard something. I should have seen something. I should have made sure that she had better health care, whatever. I don't know. I fucking beat myself up over this for years, and people told me that I shouldn't, but I, I do. I'm human. I can't control my emotions, but I have a lot of fucking regret about that, uh, even though I do think, like I said, having – two sons and giving her grandkids extended her life because it gave her so much motivation and love and gave her something really to cling on to that, that, and gave her, uh, you know, something to look forward to every day. Um, but, uh, man, gosh, I just, I look back and I, I wish I could have done a lot of things differently and I wish I could have properly expressed what she meant to me and how important she was to me. I hope I did. I think I did, but I'm not sure if I did but I sure try to do it now. Um, and whether that counts or not, who knows, but that's why I established that scholarship. That's why I'm talking about it right now. Cause her biggest fear, she used to tell me about this was she just, she didn't want to be forgotten by the people she loved. Well, that fucking ain't happening, you know? And that's why the, her two granddaughters that, uh, never even met her. know know enough about her that, um, that they, they feel like they didn't meet her. And they do know her. Um, and I just, I can't tell you um, how awesome she was. And she, I would not be in radio if it wasn't for her. And she did, I've never seen a person do more for people without expecting or getting anything in return. She helped so many of my friends. I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but a few times she bailed my friends out of jail and promised not to tell anybody or, uh, I remember one time I was 15 and my friends were 16 and 17 because, again, I was the youngest one, and we had gotten arrested, and she came in the middle of the night, and I was released to her. And then she wasn't going to let my friends, you know, sit overnight in jail, so she bailed everyone out and promised not to tell them. And, and it was, like you know, and I remember, like, <laughs> when my best friend Caesar was uh, over in Iraq in the Army, uh, and he, he called me sometimes, right? He was my best friend. And so then I'd, sometimes I'd come home and I'd, she'd be on the phone for like an, like half an hour or something. And I'm like, who are you, who are you talking? She goes, I'm talking to Caesar. He's in Iraq. I said, well, give me the fucking, he wants to talk to me. And so, okay. And so like, she was like, had this great relationship with my friends, uh, not my girlfriends. Um, but, uh, but she loves Susan, but the, every other girl that I dated in my life, she did not like for a variety of reasons. Um, can't you find someone better? And so, uh, and so, <laughs> um, like, like my buddy, you know, big Tom and my, my friend Anthony and, uh, you know, all the friends you hear me talk about on the air had such a great relationship with my mom. Cause she was so fucking cool. And she was always there for anybody to do anything whether they were she to cook for them or uh, just be a, you know lend them an ear and help them with their problems or just you know to be a, a 
be a you know a motherly figure. And even like I was like you know Todd Lebo had a chance to meet my mom, and I remember one time we had a had a watch party. I had a little apartment up north before we bought a house, and we had a watch party for a Mike Tyson fight. I told my mom, I'm I'm inviting some friends over from the radio station. Will you make some Mexican food? And I only invited like fucking like seven or eight friends. I was it's when I was doing the nighttime show, the Stephen St. John show. And she fucking made Mexican food for like 85 people. Like trays of, of, of burritos and tacos. And she made some tamales and rice and sopa and all this shit. And I'm like, who the, who the fuck do you think's coming here? I mean, this is like, we're not, this is like six guys and me, you know? You know, she was, but I don't want anyone to be hungry. And she like fucking cooked for two days for this thing. And I think everyone went home with like a, a you know, two pounds of Mexican food. Um, and Lebo still talks about how great that food was. And so I'm, I'm glad that she was able to uh, meet some of my friends that I, that I made here at, at, in Union Broadcasting. And, um, and still even to this day, like Lebo gives me shit about, uh, about how, how my mom still like has this heavy influence over me, even though she's been gone for so long. Uh, like for the biggest example is, uh, so like when my, when I was a kid, uh, my mom loved certain people. I fucking loved, you might even say she was obsessed, but she loved John F. Kennedy. She loved Muhammad Ali. She loved, loved George Brett. She fucking loved Elvis, Right. And so this is, you hear this weird, bizarre obsession I have with Elvis because of my mom, Muhammad Ali because of my mom, JFK because of my mom, George Brett because of my mom. And also I was a kid in the seventies in Kansas city, but man, she used to fucking take me to every single George Brett appearance, right? It didn't matter. I remember one time we stood in line for three hours to see him and we were first in line to see him at a Kmart when he was selling vitamins. Uh, that he was uh, endorsing. And then uh, she had gone to the bathroom and he had seen us at so many fucking uh, public appearances where he comes and sits down at the table and before she gets back, he looks at me and goes, huh, where's your mom at? Uh, and so, <laughs> true story, right? Um, and she loved the Royals, loved the Royals, loved the Chiefs, even when they sucked. And then when they got good in the 90s, it made her so happy and I'd, Fuck, I wish she could have seen him win that championship uh, a couple of years ago against the Niners. Um, I can't imagine. Or just, and she saw the 85 World Series. We were together at game six of the 85 World Series and celebrated together. Uh, I mean, such unbelievable memories. She was such a sports fan. She loved boxing. She hated that I boxed, but she loved boxing. And I remember people always ask me, uh, how come you only fought one pro fight? You won, second round knockout. Why didn't you keep fighting? Uh, first of all, I wasn't that good. You know, I was going to end up getting hurt. I was good enough just to be dangerous, but whatever. I, I could punch hard and I could take a punch, and that was, that was about it. But I had lost in the finals of the Golden Gloves, and then uh, Susan was pregnant with Richie, and I just graduated with an English degree from UMKC. So this is June 1996, and I'm fighting... Uh, at the Beaumont Club, pro debut. She's there, and whenever I'd fight, she'd cover her eyes, and I think she'd be able to see a little bit, but maybe not, but she, you know, 
but it was agonizing for her. So I win, second round, knockout. Remember I got my uh, Julio Cesar Chavez uh, T-shirt that she had bought me on. I wore to the ring. Uh, and I go back, and a bunch of my friends, I'm hugging them, and everything. everyone's excited after I won. She gives me a big hug, and I could tell she'd been crying because she was, she was nervous or whatever. And she, uh, she grabs me. She kind of put her, like, nails into me a little bit. And I go, whoa, what are you mad for? I won. And she looked at me, and I'll never forget it. She goes, you have a son on the way, and you just graduated from college. So that's your last fight, you fucking dummy. <laughs> and I was like so taken aback, like, why were you dumb? Why are you being negative? And I looked at her, I said, I looked over at my, you know, at Susan and my my baby in her belly, and I thought about it. I looked at my mom, I said, I know, I know it is. You're right. And so she was promise. I said, Yes. And I never fought again. And that was the right thing to do, you know. I was about to be a dad and I had a college degree. I needed to do something else with my brain besides getting it, uh, you know, beat in. So, um, but yeah, she was so influential in my love of sports and was so supportive and, uh, you know, was there for every game and was there for every win and every loss and to pick me up. I remember after I lost in the golden gloves, I was just so upset for two or three days and, you know, she was always there. She was always there with uh, always uh, a tortilla and cheese would make me feel better. You want a tortilla, honey? You know, tortillas would make me feel better. It's the truth. Still do. Um, but, man, she just, uh, uh, you know, so that's that's the reason why I stopped boxing when I did. Uh, and that's the reason why I love Elvis and Muhammad Ali and JFK and George Brett and Billy Joel and Neil Diamond. And she loved Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses. My mom, she was she was she hard rocker. We went to so many concerts together. We went to see Billy Joel multiple times, Neil Diamond, everybody. Uh, first concert I went to was Adam Ant and the Romantics with my mom. And just, you know, she was a blast. You know, it just, uh, um, it's hard to believe that she's been gone 17 years, but I had just so many great memories and of, of how awesome she was. Yeah, she was just, she was just the fucking best. And uh, uh, this time, October, I hate it. It sucks. And again, look. If if you're if you're sitting here listening saying hey, hey dummy get over it it's been you know seventeen years no she deserves it she th- this is what she she deserves for me to still think about her every year when when it's her birthday and when it's the day that she passed and to honor her and talk about her because I can tell you right fucking now I would not be here literally I wouldn't be here without her but I would not have made it in, in sports radio I'll be honest with you I don't think I'd be alive if it wasn't for her and her helping me through some of the shit that I went through and some of the demons that I battled and fucking beat because of her. Um, and so that's what she deserves. And so, you know, no one can ever tell you how to grieve or how long to grieve. And if they do try to tell you, fuck them, you know, because we all do it in our, our different way. And I don't do it. Like I, I used to get all mopey and everything. Like I didn't want to fucking deal with mother's day. I didn't want to deal with her birthday. I didn't want to deal with the day that she passed away. But then I thought, you know, this is unfair to my family now. And so, so instead, I'll use it as a celebration and I'll talk about her and remind people how great she was so people will know uh, what she meant to me. And, and, and her biggest fear will never become a reality. The, the people that love her will never forget her and never stop talking about her. Um, and so... 
if if you listen to this podcast or if you're watching this on YouTube and if you like me at all or like what I've had to say, do me do me a solid, do me a favor. If you still have your mom, when you're done listening to this, call her. Go see her. Take her out to dinner. Do something. Same thing. If you still have your dad, call him. All right? Go spend time with him. And if something's happened to where that relationship may be rocky or whatever, fuck that. Because uh, it's at some point, you won't have that chance anymore. So, you know, work it out. And, and go spend time with your parents or your parent or your father figure or mother figure or your aunt or uncle or whoever that, your grandpa, whoever that is to you. Because I could, I could promise you this. I ain't got a whole lot of money, but every fucking dollar and cent I got in my bank account, I'd give it up right now to have 15 minutes with my mom or go take her to lunch or go have a phone call with her or just have her bitch me out for not doing something right or anything. Um, I, I, without question. And so uh, if you have that ability, uh, go do that. Say hello to your mother for me and, uh, and appreciate every minute, every second you've got with her, every minute, every second you've got with your dad because there will be a time when it's, it's gone. And maybe you expect it, maybe you don't. But, you know, once you hit that, there's no going back, you know. And so, again, uh, this, this podcast is an honor and memory of my awesome mother, uh, Julie Antivero St. John, and uh, just got this cross and gold chain that she gave me, this present that I'd never fucking take off because it makes me look down and think of her. And, uh, and both my boys remind me of her, and both my girls remind me of her, and, and she will never stop making an impact in my life. And so thank you for listening to this, and uh, rest in peace wherever you are, Mom. I love you. And uh, I'm still talking about you and probably still making you mad. And for some of the shit you've seen me do over the past 17 years, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean it. I'll do better. But uh, um, I love you. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you. And uh, until, uh, until next week, the microphone is off.